says, I asked Brother Gold what I needed to read as far as the scripture reading. He said uh, his lesson didn't really concentrate on any one scripture, so I begin at Genesis 1 1 and read through Revelation 22 21. Second thought, I'll read Romans 8 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And as it is written, for, you sake, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered a sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am angels... For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, or anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let the record reflect, Genesis through Revelation was his idea, not mine. It is an honor and a privilege to be here to stand before this great congregation this morning here at Savannah on what obviously is a bit of a, an unusual day, maybe a bit of an uncomfortable day for you. And it's one of those days that, that we'll get through and you'll look back on later on and uh, it'll be in the rearview mirror. I want to do, take just a moment and maybe kind of introduce myself to you a little bit and talk just a little bit about what my, my role is and what I'll be trying to accomplish with you, and then we'll get into our study of God's Word uh, this morning. I am a preacher's kid. I was born in northern Illinois, but don't fear, I was southernized very early. Uh, did a lot of my growing up in western Kentucky. I graduated from high school up in Hopkinsville. And following college days, I ended up in Atlanta. And my first eight years or so was uh, corporate work. And then my wife, Marla, she is from northwest Alabama. And she started talking about it would really be nice if we could move back home. And so we did that. And that was my transition into ministry, going to work with what was then International Bible College that is today Heritage Christian University. Uh, I'm in my 16th year working with the school. Uh, I do advancement work. It's relationship building work. I am blessed to have a job where on almost every day I can look forward to getting up and going to work. And so I'm very thankful for that. Now, in regard to... I want to say just a word about what I'm here to do and what I'm not here to do. Uh, I am not here, and I always like to say this to congregations that are in transition, I'm not here looking for a permanent position. My role is, is to be with you for a while. And, and while I'm here, my intention uh, is to serve you and to work very hard for you. Uh, to do all the good that I can do and to do uh, no harm at all. The reason that I have my contact information on the screen and in your handout is so that if there is a way that I can be of service to you in some way, uh, I want to do that. Feel free to call on me. Uh, the goal is to provide a measure of quality and consistency so that the congregation can spend the time that it needs in transition uh, finding the next person who will work with you. I want you to know every, today that everything, uh, it's going to be alright. We are blessed to serve a God who loves His people, uh, a God who takes care of His people, a God who's going to take care of Wes and his family, 
and a God who I firmly believe has great things in mind and in the future uh, for this congregation in Savannah. You have a wonderful reputation. Uh, and I know great things lie ahead. And so through this, um, I look forward to making some new friendships, ones that I hope will extend far beyond uh, the brief time that we'll spend together. And in the end, I want to be the kind of friend uh, that you'll always look forward to seeing come your way. Now, regarding uh, this transition, I realize that there are a lot of emotions today. I realize that for many of you, you probably feel like as a congregation that, hey, we, we've been in this mode more often in recent years that, than, than maybe is our fair share. But I also understand that just because you've been through it before, uh, it doesn't make it something that uh, you necessarily embrace or enjoy. Uh, one of my colleagues from time to time uh, we'll be talking about something and he'll say, well, I love change. He'll say, well I, well, I love to just shake things up and kind of start things over. And while he's my colleague and while he's my friend, I believe he's very atypical. Because most of us aren't fond of the discomfort and the uncertainty that goes with change and that goes with transition. Sometimes we go through changes in our homes and it's not comfortable. Sometimes we, most of us have been involved at, at work in, in something where there's some uncertainty and, and it's not fun going to work on those days. And, and this just happens to be one of those times where you're, you're going through transition as a church. And of course, this colleague of mine, he says that, I love change, but I'm not even sure that he believes it himself because I've watched him be very reluctant to make changes that, that he and everyone else knows need to be made. I think you would agree, though, that because of the way life works, change is just a very regular part of, of, of everyday life. And it's nothing new. All the way back in 500 B.C., Heraclitus made a, made a statement that, where he said, nothing endures but change. And so things have been changing for a long, long time. And so with all that in mind, my purpose this morning, it's not to tell you something new, share something that you've never heard before. I also realize that on a day like this where the emotions uh, are varied uh, for just about everybody in the room, there's not one perfect message for every single person in the room. And so what I'd like for us to do is simply be reminded this morning that no matter how uncertain, no matter how unsteady things may seem to be around us, whether it be at home, whether it be where we show up at work each day, even at times when it's in church life, there is a place of stability. And in that place we find comfort and we can find optimism and even in time, we can find healing. Because you see, as Christians, God positions us in a relationship where certain things never change. And never is a powerful word. And never is one of those words that I try not to use very often because you've probably, maybe this has happened to you, maybe you've used that word and it came back to haunt you. And most all of us have laughed at one of our friends. Hopefully we laugh with our friends and not at them. But, you know, they'll use that never word and then we'll come back to them and say, but I thought you said you'd never drive a minivan. 
You know, I thought you said when you had kids, you'd never let them and then you fill in the blank. You know, never's one of those words that you know, I kind of shy away from. And yet I want us to purposefully use that word as we briefly consider three things this morning that never change. Number one, God's Word never changes. And what a blessing it is that that God invites us in uh, to a relationship. It's not simply a game of keeping rules and jumping through hoops. We're blessed that to facilitate that relationship, He has provided us His Word. It's, It's written down. It's there for all time. It's there unchanging. And in His Word, He reveals to us how to successfully be in relationship both with Him and with each other. It explains our reason for being here, and we're going to talk more about that. It paints a picture of where we're going, and it doesn't just paint a picture of where we're going. What He's provided for us helps keep our focus on that as we live life here on this planet. It's a roadmap. It's a GPS. It's our way home. And arguably most important, God's Word is stable. It's steady. As we've said, it does not change. You know, a relationship with God, it's not about Him looking down on us and just about the time we stand up and start feeling like we have some stability, it's not at that point about Him pulling the rug out from under us so that we fall again. That's not how He does things. See, we can lean on Him. We can position our lives firmly on His Word knowing that it's unchanging. And I believe you'd agree with me that an unchanging standard is super important in the world that we live in today because we live in a world where there are a lot of folks, they want an approach to life, they want values in life that are shapeable and moldable and pliable so that as my life changes, as my situations change, as my wants and desires change, my belief system can kind of change with what I want. And see, that, that, that's far different than, than God's plan of saying, hey, what I need you to do is I need you to just mold your life about, around the plan that I've given you. You know, many of my preaching friends down in Alabama right now, they're talking with congregations about God's plan for marriage, about how it's, you know, God is the one. If, if you own something, you kind of get to, to, to make the rules for it. And, you know, God owns marriage. He came up with the idea. And so they've been talking with folks about the fact that, hey, it's one man and it's one woman and this is how it works. And the reason for that, if you've watched the news, is there is this attack on what God has defined as, as marriage. And so in a constantly changing world, we, we stake eternity on a book. A book from God that doesn't simply contain truth. It doesn't simply define truth. Rather, God's Word is truth. You remember Jesus in John chapter 17. He's, he's not too far away from the cross and he's, he's praying and the disciples are nearby. And in chapter 17, verse 17, He says, Sanctify them in the truth. Your Word is truth. And then later on in the book of John, John chapter 14, Jesus has been talking about the place that He's going to prepare. And then in verse 6 He says, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through Me. 
The principle to which we cling and the message that we as Christians attempt to share is simply the idea that truth is never defined by what I believe, but rather because we have the unchanging Word of God, truth is always defined by what God says is right. If you've got your Bible for just a moment, turn over with me to 2 Timothy chapter 3 and uh, verse 16. And these words are very familiar, and I, I want to read them for you because it talks about the Bible and it talks about what it does for us. There in verse 16, Paul writes, All Scripture is inspired by God and, and is profitable for teaching for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness. Okay, well, well, why is it useful for all these things? Verse 17 answers the question, so that the man of God may be, uh, the New American Standard here says adequate, you may have a translation that says perfect, you may have a translation that says complete, but it's this idea that because of what God does, it provides us with everything we need to be equipped for every good work, to be in relationship with Him. I'm thankful that God's Word never changes. Uh, number two this morning, we're blessed that God's love never changes. And, and as we get into this, I want to go to a very, very familiar verse. And because it's so familiar, I want to read it from the Bible. John chapter 3, verse 16. People who may not know a whole lot about God often know a lot about this verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. I read that from Scripture because it's one of the most powerful verses in all the Bible. And sometimes when something becomes very, very familiar to us, because it's so familiar, it can lose the impact that it was designed to have on our lives. See, that verse, God so loved the world, it becomes even more powerful when we personalize the verse. It's not just that God loved the world. See, you can put your own name right in there. God loved Philip. And you can put your name. And it's this idea that, yes, God loved the world, but had I or you been the only ones who needed a Savior, who needed a Son... God would still have sent His Son. Every person has this core need to be loved, to be accepted. And what God does for us is, is He provides that opportunity through having a relationship with Him. Unfortunately, though, if I ever decide that, that, that love or acceptance, if I decide those things are missing uh, from my life and I'm not looking to God for them, I can end up making some horrible life decisions. In other words, if love and acceptance don't seem to be coming from all the right places, I end up looking for love, as the old country song says, maybe in all the wrong places. But see, the blessing is that the unfailing, unchanging, rock-steady love of God will never, and there's our word again, will never fail me. See, God loves me. And He loves you. Always. Many of us in the room are blessed to be parents. 
And among all the blessings that go with being a parent, one of the things that we become a little bit more understanding of by being parents is this idea that God helps us understand His love a little bit better because you think about it, I love my children. It's unqualified. It's unconditional. I do not love them more or love them less based on performance or a lack thereof. And that's how God loves us. He loves me through my imperfection. He loves me through my stumbling, through my taking three steps forward and then messing up and taking a step back and having to get back up and start over again. He loves me through all of that. And He wants me to be with Him in heaven forever. And He's provided everything needed for that to happen. You remember 2 Peter chapter 3, and, and Peter's writing to, and he's talking about some skeptics. And he's saying, you know, there's some folks who they're, they're, they're going to say, you know, God doesn't seem to be doing much. But then in verse 9 of 2 Peter 3, he begins to talk about the idea that it's not God not doing anything. What it is, it's a patient God who doesn't want anyone to perish. And so what it amounts to is it's a patient God providing more time so that more people can be saved. And let's now go to Romans chapter 8. The reading moments ago. Because this is Paul talking about the love of God, the, the unfailing love of God. And as we reread this, I want you to think about this passage not in terms of your life, but think about this in terms of the author's life. Think about it in terms of Paul's life. Because we have our trials, we have our troubles, we have our days that we don't like, but in a lot of ways our lives really are pretty good. And so Paul asks a couple of questions. He, he essentially asks, okay, who or what, who or what can separate us from the love of God? And we're going to go through the verses, but the answer is nothing. That's another powerful word. Nothing. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we're being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all things, we overwhelmingly conquer through Him who loved us. For I am convinced, he says, that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Stuff's going to happen. Days of pain, days of loss, uncertainty, you name it, things are going to happen. But Paul uses this powerful word to say, nothing can separate us from the love of God. His love is an unfailing anchor. And yes, I realize that, that God's love is unconditional, yet I also realize He doesn't force that on us. It's, it's something that a God who blesses us with the freedom of choice, it's something that I need to choose 
for the sake of time, we're not going to go read all of 1 John chapter 1, verses 5-10, through 10, but there's so much said. And in those verses, the word love is never used, but you get this picture of what a loving God looks like in providing for His people. In verse 7, and this is one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture, verse 7 says, "...but if we walk in the light..." As He Himself is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all... There's another powerful word, sin. That's a great section of Scripture because, see, it reminds me of my need to be honest with myself about the the idea that my life, I fall short, I can't do it on my own. And I'm trying to follow and I'm trying to walk in the light, and yet I'm going to do that imperfectly. And because of that, as I continue to try to follow... This continual process of cleansing. I'm thankful that God's love never changes. And then finally this morning, God's purpose never changes. A number of years ago when I was doing youth ministry, I had my youth group at a youth event weekend, one of our Christian universities. And the speaker that day was trying to convince all the young people there that there is a world that, that still does not know Jesus, a world that needs to know Jesus. And so in helping to drive that home, uh, he shared a video that day. And it's a man on the street with a microphone and he's going to folks and he's asking them the question, who is Jesus? And so as this video unfolds, it's person after person being asked and person after person getting it wrong. And finally they go to one little old man, he's disheveled, he speaks with an impediment, but when asked the question, who is Jesus, his immediate response is, he's my Lord and my Savior. Well, why do you say that? Well, I say that because in his word, in the Bible here, it's told me that if I'll live my life for him, if I'll surrender to him, if I'll do everything within my power to follow him, he'll take me home to be in heaven with him one day. And the point of the video was, one guy got it right. And there's a lot of people who still need to understand. We read John chapter 3, verse 16. We don't always read verse 17, but verse 17 talks about God's unchanging purpose. Jesus goes on to say in verse 17, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through Him. Now I'm thankful for our abundance our country has its problems, but, but in a lot of ways it's still the best country on the face of the planet. I'm thankful that we've been placed here. But there is a challenge that goes with that because most days our lives are really, really good. And when our lives are really, really good, it can cause us to almost think in terms of living life here like this is our heaven. And if I'm living life here thinking about this as being my heaven, I forget about why I'm really here. I forget about my real purpose. I don't know if it ever happens to you, but it happens to me. We're not the first people to have problems with that though. The inner circle, especially early in Jesus' ministry. John chapter 4, woman at the well. Life-changing discussion goes on between Jesus and this Samaritan woman. And you remember the disciples, they miss it. They're in town buying food. And they get back just in time to realize something really important just happened. But instead of asking Jesus important questions, they start making small talk. They want to talk to Jesus about His next meal. And so, Jesus, you look hungry. 
Anybody bring you something to eat? And, and Jesus is trying to say, guys, I'm not thinking about my next meal. You know, I've got, I've got food to eat that you all don't understand. And as they press Him, He finally says, my food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work. And then Jesus begins to talk about, in verse 34, white fields. And then by the time you get to verse 38, not only is He talking about purpose, He's inviting His inner circle to share in that with them. He says, I sent you to reap that for which you have not labored. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Please don't miss this, and we're about done this morning. There's a temptation when a church is in transition to maybe take the foot off the gas a little bit, maybe even pump the brakes some. And I don't think we do it on purpose. Maybe it's subconscious. But, but it's almost like we say, okay, we're going to coast for a little while. We'll, we'll coast, and then when the new guy gets here, we'll, we'll hit the gas and we'll go again. See, there's a problem with that. Because the world we live in never, and there's our word again, the world we live in never enters a holding pattern, even if we choose to. Well, what do you mean by that? Well, see, every day, that, that colleague of mine that I mentioned at the beginning of the lesson, I got an email when I pulled into the parking lot. His father passed away at 4.30 this morning. The world never goes on hold. People are leaving this world every single day. And when a person leaves this world, uh, it, there's only one question that matters. It does not matter who they knew. It does not matter where they lived. It doesn't matter how they made their money. It doesn't matter how much stuff they had. It doesn't matter how much stuff they're leaving behind. I guess in one sense, maybe it does matter who they knew because the only question that matters when a person leaves is, did this person know Jesus and is this person ready to stand before Jesus in judgment. And because of that, we can't afford to coast. Changes and transitions are an undeniable aspect of the human experience. King Whitney Jr. said, Change has a considerable psychological impact on the human mind. To the fearful it is threatening because it means that things may get worse. To the hopeful it is encouraging because things may get better. To the confident it's inspiring because the challenge exists to make things better. I don't know if I agree with all that he's saying there. But he mentions a couple of very important things for people who are Christians, for people who represent Christ, for people who are Jesus' followers. He mentions the idea of being hopeful, and he mentions the idea of being confident. As God's family, our goal should always be for people to see those things in our lives, no matter what the situation may be. They need to see hope. They need to see confidence. In that regard, I hope you'll be back tonight at 6. I hope you'll be back. We're going we're gonna to base our lesson tonight on Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. We're going to break that verse down. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me and think in terms of building a more confident approach to our Christian walk. I'm thankful that no matter what life here may throw at us, there are important things that never change. And... I'm thankful, though, that we serve a God who is still in the business of changing lives for the better each and every day.
The song's been selected that we'll sing. And the question as we get ready to sing that song today is do you need to allow God to change your life in some way? Do you now need to allow Him to change your status? Are you a Christian today? Are you His child? You may be in this audience and you may have been coming to this church and you may have been sitting in a Bible class and you've been hearing about what God needs from you and what God expects of you and how God has is described to be in relationship with Him and you just haven't made the decision to make that change yet. Let me tell you something. There are people who are praying about the day that you're going to make that decision. They're praying that you'll obey the Gospel, that you'll be baptized into Christ. And we'd love nothing more than to spend however long it takes as family to assist you in that. Maybe you're here today as a Christian and you just need to know that your Christian family is praying with you and for you. It's already been mentioned today. Life sometimes is tough and sometimes we stumble and sometimes we fall down. And one of the blessings to coming together as a family... See, I'm meeting most of you for the very first time today, but one thing I can tell you is, see, we're family. And when family hurts and when family has needs, if, if I need your prayers and if I need your love, that's one of the things as we worship God. We're here for each other also. And so if you have a need like that today, you can let that be known while we stand and while we sing.